in your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Amen. Mom sounds excited. She must know about uh, some scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Hallelujah. For those that have uh, not been coming uh, regularly on Wednesday night, uh, I had it in my heart, as I've said the last two weeks, to just declare between now and the end of the year in this midweek service that unless the Lord leads different, uh, that I'm going to purpose to minister to us on healing for our body, how to live whole and healthy and, and uh, free of sickness, disease, and pain, and all of that, uh, and or the subject of uh, Bible prosperity, how to walk in the blessing of God. And uh, so anyway, we're going to stay on prosperity again uh, tonight. And uh, But uh, as you're, uh, before it gets away from my attention, I just talked to Philip Harris on the phone. And just an update, our, uh, you know, Stacy Harris, our stake, uh, daycare director, and just a precious longtime member and sister. She's out of uh, surgery that she had, very successful. They got to do the, uh, the less invasive version of, of what they needed to do. And uh, so she was in recovery, and uh, just want to tell everybody that all is well. Amen. And I know Philip and Stacy, they're down in Vanderbilt, not because of the seriousness of it. It wasn't that. It was uh, of a doctor shortage <laughs> here in Paducah. Uh, help us all. So anyway, uh, praise God. That's where they are, and they're doing well. I wanted to be sure to give the church family an update on that. Amen. So in Second Chronicles, chapter number 20, uh, the latter part of verse 20, uh, says this. Well, I'll, we'll go ahead and read the whole verse. 2 Chronicle, Chronicles 20, 20. And they rose early in the morning, and they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established, or so shall you be established. You know how steady you are, how established you are in life, is linked to your believing. According to that verse, right? Amen. And then it says, believe his prophets. So we are to believe God, and then we are to believe his ministers. In terms of ministry, you understand it was very different in the Old Testament than what it is today. In the Old Testament, you only had three offices that carried an anointing with it. The office of the priest, the office of the king, and the office of the prophet. Now, in terms of a preaching ministry, that really wasn't the priest. The priest didn't really speak for God in that sense. They facilitated the Levitical priesthood and all the sacrificial system, the operations, ongoings of the temple. Yeah. Amen. And uh, now they might have been priests, prophets, kind of combinations at times. And, you know, I don't get too deep into the weeds with you. But really, the only preaching ministry office they had back under the old covenant was that of the prophet. Amen. And, uh, and there are two true New Testament prophets in the earth today. And he said, we're not only to believe God, but we are to believe the ones that God has really raised up and has given a message or got through whom God speaks in the earth. And that's still a thing today. Amen. And, uh, you know, several years ago, God stirred up my heart to reach out to a minister uh, named Jerry Savelle. Now, he's an internationally known minister, been to our church twice now, precious man. I, I knew of his ministry, been around his ministry on a couple of occasions back in Oklahoma uh, because my pastor back then had had him in. 
But God just stirred me up about a revelation that this particular minister carried in, in such a strong way on the favor of God and, and just has really blessed my life since then. So anyway, uh, since God sort of give, gave us that connection with Dr. Seville and how God uses him really not even just in a local, they have a local church that he has a pastor that oversees, and, but really in an international voice, uh, someone that's been in ministry that long, without scandal, with that much proven fruit, amen, when they say, God told me, and it bears witness with my spirit and more importantly matches with the word, I, I'm paying attention. Right. I'm paying attention. And so uh, I really appreciate you, Brother Dakota, buying me this book, uh, hand signed by this man. But anyway, he opens this book by sharing something that the Spirit of God said to him at the beginning of 2020. And so this was before the pandemic broke out, okay? And if our ushers, I have uh, copied, taken the liberty to copy uh, two pages out of this book that I'm reading to you, uh, that, the con that my ushers will begin to, y'all stay with me, but they'll make sure you get a copy of this for, so that you could take it home. Because I, I couldn't find any published um, things online where I could just point you to. And so uh, it's a paragraph or two. And so if you don't mind... Um, uh, just staying with me as I, uh, as I read this. So he said, and actually I said early in 2020, it, this says late, so I was mistaken. Late in 2020, the Lord began to speak to me, and I'm quoting from him, about a new era. Everyone say a new era. A new era. That had begun for God's people. An era is a period of time that's marked by distinctive characteristics and events. It is a fixed point in time in which a series of years is reckoned. Here is a compilation, Dr. Seville says, of the words the Lord spoke to me over a period of several weeks in this time. So, reading this to you. He says, the Spirit of God told him a new... And you, you just check it. You judge it, right? Because I'm not reading Scripture yet. But he said, believe his prophets, ministers that speak for him, and you will what? You'll prosper. In other words, you'll gain, you'll benefit if you believe what true prophets are saying. Amen. A new era has begun. It's the italicized portion on page 8. A new era has begun, and more signs and wonders will be seen in 2021. Those who heed my voice and obey my words will experience my goodness and power as never seen or heard. They will see the fruit of their faithfulness come bursting forth. Now that excites me because I hope the Lord has been able to count me faithful. Amen. And they will prosper and flourish like never before. Never have they witnessed such goodness that they shall soon see. I'm pouring it out in abundance so that they will have greater victories. Things they've stood in faith for that seemed would never come. Now, we're already here. We're at the end of 2021 here. We're already hearing testimonies that, that fit this, that God said would happen. Things that they've stood in faith for that seemed would never come, they'll manifest quickly, and every battle will be won. Now, notice this. Abundance and overflow, that is what they'll see. I'll bring it to pass because of their love and obedience to me. 
No longer will their enemy have the upper hand, for my spirit is moving, and an outpouring of my power is coming upon the land. This new era will be marked, okay, an era is a time marked by certain distinctive events, right? This new era will be marked by many triumphant victories. It is what I've planned, so just rest in me. Miracle after miracle, that's what I'll do. So just decree it, receive it, and know that it's true. Refuse to be swayed by what's said in the news. Come on now. Amen. We've seen a lot on the news the last several years, haven't we? And not a lot of it good. And, you know, even recently, economically, you know what the nation's talking about, what the nation's going through. And uh, so picking this back up again, refuse to be swayed by what's said in the news. With me on your side, how can you lose? See, that's the important thing. Are you living with God on your side? Amen. So stay with my word. It's faithful and true. I'll bring it to pass and great things I will do. Abundant overflow is the order of the day. Come on. Now, he said this twice now. If this bears witness with your spirit, amen. What is God's plan for you today? Abundant overflow. Those are two wonderful words. Abundant overflow is the order of the day, so rest assured it's on the way. Your adversary can't stop what I've already decreed, so stay in faith and get ready to receive. Amen. Allow no one to discourage you by what they say. Keep looking to me, I'll have my way. Tell my people, and I'm telling you, they'll need to remain strong and stay close to me so that they'll not be deceived by their enemy. His attacks will intensify and he'll try to prevail. But my power is greater, and it shall not fail. Amen. I don't know how high gas prices are going to go, but listen, you need to pay attention to what God is saying. Amen. I don't care what their price is for turkey. You have a supply for turkey if you want one. Amen. I mean, we can get so caught up with inflation and what's on the news, and these are very real things. I understand that. But what's the order of the day? Not you having less and less. Not you struggling and struggling, just eking it by an existence. That's not what God's saying. Amen. But my power is greater, it shall not fear. Fear not, nor be fretful over what shall come. So he said, something's going to come. For the battle is mine, and I've already won. I think my wife was on it with praise and worship tonight. Yeah. Contrary to what you'll see and what you shall hear, so evidently we're going to have opportunity to see things that don't look like abundant overflow. To hear things that don't look like you could walk in abundant overflow. He said you're going to have to keep your eye on, you stay with the Word. Live close to God. And if you need to, turn your, turn your back on the news. Amen. That stuff will hurt your faith if you let it. Amen. Contrary to what you'll see and what you shall hear, an era of abundant overflow has already begun 
that is my plan, and it shall be so. Hallelujah. Now, and he talks, and you have the remainder, but if you'll uh, turn that over on the back side to page number 11. He began to, it says in verse 10, not verse, but in, on page 10 of his book, that he began to ponder the word, that what God spoke to him about abundant overflow. And then, you know, the admonition of you're going to have to be focused about what you see and what you hear and handling all that, right? And he was thinking about some of the things Jesus said about signs of the ends of the age, right? The, the earthquakes, the famines, the pestilences, all these different things. And he said, while I meditated on that, on page 11 at the top, that's when the Lord spoke to me again. Now, this is very important. That's when the Lord spoke again, he said, to me about the things that must come to pass prior, that means before, the fulfillment of the words he'd just spoken. So before all that good stuff about abundant overflow, miracles, miracles all of that, he said there, the Spirit of God spoke to him again and said, there must be something come to pass before that. Amen? Let's look and find out what he said it would be. A great shaking. Now that leapt out to me because that's exactly what the Lord told me personally in prayer and fellowship with him about 2020. He said a shaking, a global shaking has begun. And then in 2021, going into the year, he told me again, the shaking in 2021, the shaking will continue. But for God's people, for the church, it'll be a good year. And it's shaping up to be for us. So I really took note when I, when I saw that. A great shaking, a great shifting, a great displacing will take place in your nation. Notice that. And then immediately following this, there will come a great awakening and a great outpouring. Amen. Look at those definitions. He looked up, you know, if you knew anything about his ministry, he loves looking words up in the dictionary. I do too. And so he said a shaking is the act of causing something to be removed or replaced. Now, I've just seen, I've seen shaking hit the individual arena. I've seen shaking uh, hit people in their ministry life. I've seen the shaking hit them in the political arena, uh, in business. In almost every sphere of life, you can see, you know, a shaking going on. Our, our institutions are being shaken. Our systems, whether you want to talk about education, whether you want to talk about our hospitals and our medical system, whether you want to talk about our military, our political leadership, our judges, our courts, everything being shaken. Amen. So he said there'll be a shaking and then a shifting. Now the word shifting means an act of changing position or direction. Amen? And some of that, you know, God's going to change the direction of this nation, I believe, whether people want it to change or not. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, and uh, there's going to be some, I say this violent, I don't mean violent in a sense of what you may think, but it's not going to be gentle. Amen. Displacing the act of laying aside someone and making room for another. And... Uh, I think what we saw politically in Virginia is kind of a evidence of some shaking going on. Yeah. Amen. Then the awakening and an outpouring, we know what those things are. Amen. Now, go in your Bible now to another Old Testament book, uh, the book of Haggai. Can you find Haggai? It's on page 931. 
if you have a Bible like mine. <laughs> it's in the section of the Minor Prophets, so it's going to be on the right side of uh, books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Uh, so it's on the other side of Zephaniah, tucked in there between Zephaniah and uh, Zechariah. Amen. So at the end of your Old Testament. And if you can't find it, just look up on the screen. So God is speaking to His people who are coming back into the land after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Uh, God had given them a 70-year punishment and time out because of their lawlessness and their rebellion. And they're back in the land, and the commandment was rebuild. Rebuild the temple. Rebuild my city of Jerusalem. And they had gotten discouraged. You have to read those two chapters in full to, to catch my drift about this. But then he begins to talk. He admonishes them in chapter 2, verse 4. Be strong, be strong. Work, work, be strong. My spirit remains among you. Verse 5, don't fear. Verse 5. But pick it up with me in verse 6. For thus saith the Lord, chapter 2, verse 6. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake. Notice that. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. Now, this ought to be something that we should be able to recognize because really, though there is always something in upheaval and disturbances going on on some portion of the planet all the time, he said, I'll shake all nations. And there hasn't just been that many global events, events that shake the globe, every nation, all peoples, all at one time. COVID has. What's going on right now is one of those events. So now I'm not saying that this, what we're experiencing right now, is this the, but it is certainly a, and it certainly can fit. Amen. I don't have time to take you down that trail, but uh, this was not just a right now prophecy for them. Amen. This is really universally agreed to be a prophetic, end-time, messianic, end-of-the-age application of this prophecy is what best fits. Amen. And so yet, he says, once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And so notice in this prophecy, it says, now wait a minute, before abundant overflow really shows up. Amen. This shaking must happen first. So don't be moved. We're in the midst of the shaking. Amen. And eventually that shaking's going to pass. Right? And he says, so I'll shake all nations, and the desire or the delight of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house. This is ought to be thought of as the New Testament church. I will fill this house. Who's the house we are? With glory saith the Lord of hosts. And then notice in the midst of this, notice the divine order of the progression. We get a, a global shaking that affects all nations. Then I'm going to fill my church with my glory and my power. And then in verse 8, what is he going to talking about? He goes talking about silver. He goes talking about gold. Now if you were, we're not going to tonight, but if you go read Joel's prophecy in chapter 2 about, he goes the same thing. Before the last great outpouring as God fills His church with one mighty outpouring of the Spirit that's going to bring about the last 
harvest before the rapture takes place. He says, I'm going to fill my presses. You'll not lack anything in the land. There'll come a wave of supernatural prosperity along with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost before the Lord comes. Amen? In other words, what's God saying? Before I bring you home, you're going to get paid. Amen? The church is going to get paid. Now, we have biblical precedents for that. Amen? God had brought people, His people into Egypt. You remember that? And God blessed them there for a long time, but then a Pharaoh was raised up that didn't respect or know Joseph, and he began to enslave and persecute God's people in the land. Amen? And so for a long time that happened. After 430 years, God brought them out. God brought them out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. Amen? And he brought them out with a mighty hand. He brought them out not with, a, you, you know, just political diplomacy. No, he brought them out with miracles, with a display of might and a display of power, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And they did not leave that land. They didn't leave the world empty-handed. They spoiled the Egyptians. Amen? There is an end-time wave of increase and prosperity. I heard Dr. Jacob say by the Spirit, there is something wonderful going on in the finances of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And listen, as your pastor, I want you to get in on it. I want you to know, uh, to be exposed. You know, you have to choose whether you're going to believe God's ministers and prosper or not. I can't do that for you. Amen. But I want you to know what I believe God is saying. I believe that, yeah, this shaking may be going on the earth, but don't get your eyes too focused on the shaking. What you ought to do is judge yourself, lest you be shaken. Amen. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 4 with me real quick. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all give me a few more minutes. 1 Peter chapter 4. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to find verse number 17. And so it says, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. So don't think that the shaking is just going to affect the world. There's come a shaking to the body of Christ too. I mean, God's winked at things in the church. There's just been, it's been wild, wild west in the body of Christ for 20 years. But God's had His fill, church, I'm telling you. And if your life is not in divine order... Amen. And it, I just fear for you if you've been sowing wrong seed, wrong seed, wrong seed, not faithful, don't have a pastor, uh, not walking in the light of the word, loosey-goosey, you just want just enough Jesus to miss hell. That kind of lit, you're going to get judged. This shaking will come to your house. Amen. Anyway. Praise God. And so this word time, if you look it up, it means a set time or an occasion. It doesn't mean a single time once and that's it. It means there's an occasion of time that will set in at times in the church, in the body of Christ, that God ordains to clean house. Amen. And we've been in one of those, I believe, for a while. Amen. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Amen. And if the righteous scarcely, the Cody translation would say barely, if the righteous barely are saved, 
What shall the ungodly and the sinner, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? In other words, this speaks to a severity. Well, we're in the New Testament of agape and grace and, you know, all that. Well, the Bible says in the New Testament that we should consider both the goodness and the severity of God. Both. God is a good God, but you push Him too far. Amen. You'll experience the severity of God. Anyway, that's a totally another message. But you can just kind of see prophetically what's going on in the church. But what God is saying, you can see it in the Word, in different places, and you can see this prophecy that after this shaking, there's going to come an out. We know the Bible talks about an outpouring, amen, of glory and might and power, a great revival on the earth just before the Lord's come. But every time it's talked about, there is abundance and financial, the silver and the gold go with the glory. Amen. And so with the time that I have left, I want to address the subject of lack. Lack is to be thought of in your mind as, as, as unacceptable and evil and wicked as sickness. We've taught you around here that sickness is never a gift from God. It is part of the curse. It is, Deuteronomy 7.15 says that sickness is evil. And of course, common sense tells you that. You look at some precious soul suffering with sickness, and you know that's a curse. You know that's a curse. It could never be a gift from God, and it's not. The Bible's so clear about it. Well, you know, and so Christ redeemed us from sickness and disease. Thank God. But do you know Christ has redeemed you and I from lack? Did you know that lack is part of the curse Lack is part of the curse. And Jesus suffered want and lack. He became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, round verse 8 or 9. You're kind of quiet on me, and we've, this is not the first time we've preached this to you. Amen. But so many, like I said in the offering portion, have gotten, they've learned to cope with and define a life with and be okay with Lack in their life. Lack is not the will of God for you or for me. I tell you what, sickness makes me mad. Pain makes me mad. Brokenness in people's body, my body, when it comes against my family, makes me mad. I don't like it. And I've learned to push back against it with the Word, with my covenant, with the power of God, with faith in God's Word in my heart. And throw that sickness down. Put it down. Send it back to hell where it, can, where it deserves to be. Amen. But I wonder when lack tries to show up and set in in your life, what kind of attitude, what kind of response does lack get in your, from you? Well, God's just trying to teach me something. God, no, He doesn't teach people with lack. He doesn't teach people with sickness. Amen? Let's, uh, let's look at uh, the will of God here. Let's go to Psalm 34. Did you bring your shouting clothes tonight? Amen. And so, you know, you and I, we need, if we're not already, to get, I mean, down into our gut, into our crawl, we need to get fed up with lack. I tell you what, if you've lived for any length of time and I have just enough to live, I have just enough for me, 
Thank God you're still breathing and existing and that you're fed and all of that. But that, you can't help anybody. I said you can't help anybody. Amen. And we're blessed to be a blessing. And if you're barely being taken care of, you cannot be the blessing God wants you to be to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren. Amen. The Bible says a good man, a good person, what do they do? They leave an inheritance. They leave an inheritance to, that will last to their children's children. Hallelujah. I mean, it's my goal when, you know, when they say, well, Papa, I miss Papa. Papa went to heaven. And they shed a little bit of tear for Papa. But then they quickly go, but how much did he leave me? <laughs> I want them to be ministered to in their bereavement. Because they know Papa left them something good. Amen? Instead, you know, it happens all the time in the world, but it happens all the time in the church, and it ought not be when someone goes to heaven, the people that are left behind are left with a big mess, a big stack of debt, a big stack of disorder, no will, no, no savings, no, you know, something provision made for funeral expenses, you know, hefty mortgages and debt out to their ears that people... No, that ought to not be. Preaching good, Pastor Chris. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I bless God. I want to be a good man. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Amen. And anything that God puts on us like that, He is committed to fulfilling. It's not something that I've got to do all by myself. And you either. Psalm 34. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Psalm 34. I mean, I want you to be mad. When you can't, you want to get involved in an offering and you can't, you ought to be mad about that. You ought to not be okay with that. And a lot of people, they just, they just learn to go, well, that's my excuse not to get involved with the building. That's my excuse not to help the offering. Yeah, I just can't. I don't have... Well, why can't you? Why can't you? It's, it's one thing if you're coming in, you're a brand new Christian and you're here for a year and a half and you still... Right, but you've been here two years, three years, four years, five years, and you still can't? That's on you now. Amen. Praise God. It's a joy to give. It's a, it's a mandate on every Christian's life to give. And we ought to be able to have something to give. Amen. Praise God. Who you mad at? I'm mad at the devil who has robbed and stolen and lied and deceived and, and, and got preachers and churches to actually believe in that poverty and lack is a, is a signal of piety and holiness. And that's not true. Jesus never spent one poor day on this planet until he was crucified. And I would challenge you, anyone... You prove to me in the word where Jesus suffered lack and want for an, an ounce, a minute, a moment of time on this earth before he went to the cross. He fed multitudes everywhere he went. He didn't just say, you know, Peter, hey, you know, whatever. When Peter had a bill to pay with taxes, Jesus paid his bill. He said, go and do this, get the fish, the coin out of the fish's mouth, pay your taxes and mine. That's the way a man of God ought to be. Go pay mine, and since you're paying mine, let me pay yours too. Come on, what a life. 
What a lie. Listen, don't, be, don't, 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 don't get offended at what I'm saying. I mean, if you're down and out right now, listen, I'm preaching to you good news. Good news. You don't have to stay down. You don't have to stay out. You don't have to stay broke. Amen. I'll never have another broke day. I know people are taking pictures of their, of their ribs and their steaks and $100, and I know that's shocking and all that, but I guess what? I, I have a supply. You have a supply. Don't be out there whining and griping like everybody else. Amen? I mean, some people ought to learn how to vote, but I'll just be quiet about it. Anyway. And we had gas for $1.75. People acted all upset about it. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anyway, look, Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. What kind of troubles does a poor man have? Financial troubles, debt troubles. Amen. No money troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps, surrounds them that fear, have an honor and respect for God, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He's chintzy and tight. No. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for there is just a little, sometimes a lot, you just never know with God. There is no want. That word want means lack. There is no lack. Amen. To them that fear God. Amen. In other words, if you'll just decide I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be a woman that honors God, loves God, respects God, puts God first in my life. I respect His Word. I honor His Word. I'm a doer of His Word. I'm not perfect, but that's my life, and that's my heading right there. Then what's going to happen in that person's life? God is going to make sure that there's no lack. So sometimes people have money problems, Trey, and I'm not putting this on you. I just like to use people's names, and you look good tonight. So amen. But sometimes people think they have money problems. They really have, I don't honor God like I should problems. And a coupon is not going to fix a lack of honor for God. But to the one, and he doesn't just do it for a day. She just doesn't do it for a day. But bless God, from this day forward, I'm going to qualify for that verse. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to respect God. I'm going to have a sense of awe about me for God, a love for God. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to obey his word best I can. And that's my life. Then pretty quick, you're going to find lack getting run out of your life. Because God, as we said last week, he's a good, good father. And God takes care of his own. I said, God takes care of his own. When I, when I came into the family, God took parental responsibility and ownership for my life. Amen? When, when, when faith showed up in the world, Amber and I had responsibility to provide for her, to care for her, and then Rex, and then Ryan. We have parental responsibility, and it is a joy for us. They don't have to twist our arm. They don't have to give us money. They don't have to do anything to get us to take care of them. That is our responsibility. Amen? And God's a good father. 
So I like that. There is no want, there is no lack to them that fear Him. Look at this, verse 10. The young lions, they do lack, and they suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want, that word means lack, they shall not lack any good thing. Another translation says, uh, God will not withhold from them anything that's beneficial. Amen. Amen. Now in this day in which we live in, uh, that we're living in, it's different technologically in this day, but amen. But what would be beneficial to you in your life? What would be a good thing in your life? Well, amen, you need, you know, a house to live in. Amen. Praise God. You need a good, reliable car to drive that plays MP3 so you can listen to your pastor as you drive down the road. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. You, you, need, to, you need to dress properly. I mean, you're called a king. You're called a priest. You're called an ambassador. And if God puts feathers on a bird, He's going to put clothes on you. Amen? We all ought to set a goal to dress as good as Jerry Gray Sr. over there. Amen? Praise God. Maybe He'll take us shopping, show us how to do it. Amen. But is this a blank check, you know? Or is there a qualifier here? There's a qualifier. There's a catch, isn't it? It doesn't say anyone who's saved, who's got their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're never going to have any lack. I mean, if it said that, we'd all have it made who are born again. But, but in the verse prior, it says we have to fear God. We have to honor. That word means honor. Honor, honor, honor God. This one says what? It says you have to seek God. That sounds a lot like Matthew 6, doesn't it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things, the Gentiles are out, you know, having heart attacks over, trying to get more money. All these things will be added to us besides. Now, if you don't want to live in lack, then you should check your honor. Amen. And are you, are you doing, you know, what that word seek means? Are you seeking the Lord? But really, I brought you here to get you to see one thing, and that is, is lack the will of God? Is lack the will of God? No, lack's not the will of God. Go back a few pages to Psalm 23. You ever heard of that one? The 23rd Psalm? 23rd Psalm. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, let's read this modern, modernized rendering of this verse. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I can't pay for groceries. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know what to do about gas prices. What does this say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. That word want means lack. Not lacking is linked to the shepherd being our shepherd. Hallelujah. Is lack... The will of God? Is that the will of God? No, that's not the will of God. It's not the will of God that you risk your own well-being 
getting in a car you're not sure is going to make it 300 miles? Now, we do what we got to do sometimes, right? We just duct tape it, glue it, <laughs> wire it together. We do what we got to do. Good, good on you. Amen. But there ought to not be lack. Why are you okay? If you are, I'm not accusing you, but why are you okay with lack? Well, granddaddy lacked and mama lacked and I lacked and that's just the way it is. We lack. We get by. There's this man in town and he used to, I used to have a cane on display somewhere. He got healed. And, and uh, but I've, I've learned since that they're charlatans. And the whole family of them, they drive around Paducah. And they go from church to church and town to town, place to place and opportunity. And they just live off the, the unwitting charity of other people. And just last week, I'm getting in my truck uh, in Walmart. And this guy pulls up and he turns down this sad face. And I look at him and I know him immediately. You fraud, you. I wanted to pull him out and give him a spanking. You know. And uh, he says, oh, sir, and started telling me this tale. Tried to start telling me this tale. And the end result is we wanted me to buy, fill up his gas tank. And that's how he makes his living around here. And I just pointed out and said, I know who you are. I have helped you. I know what you do. You cruise around here. Oh, I'm sorry. And just pulled off. But that, that just, you know, that gives everyone out there that really does need some help a real bad name. Amen. I, if I had that guy's photo, I'd give you all a copy of his name so you don't fall for that. And that's not the first time I've done that to him. He bumped into me some other place here in town. I said, get yourself out of here. <laughs> then the devil wants to try to hit my mind with you ain't got no love. And that doesn't work on me either. I know, I know that guy. <laughs> you know, a lot of those guys on the interstate make about $70,000 a year. If you'd watched them when they leave, they'd, they'd you jump in a car nicer than yours and go take a shower and eat steak. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there's not legitimate. The Bible says we ought to give alms. Amen. We ought to give alms. The Bible says that he that gives to the poor, to the truly poor, amen, that is a, that's a loan to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him again. And, and God's moved on me, and I've, I've done all that. So listen, don't, don't get offended. Amen. But I'm just I'm saying lack is not. That's a, see, that's for that guy, that's a sad, pathetic way to live. When there are, I'm hiring signs all over the city. How is he even overweight? I wonder, how is he overweight? The Bible says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I'm preaching good. I mean, in the, I'm telling you, this government largesse, there's going to come an end to the spigot one day, and then people got a rude awakening. They don't know how to work. They don't have a work ethic. They think everybody owes them everything, and they're going to be in a bad way. I don't have any sympathy for anybody that's able-bodied, that's not out doing something. Praise the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, when I get done here, I'm going to pull a Wigglesworth. I'm going to leave everything I said in the pulpit. 
And if you're offended about it, that's your fault. Amen. I'll go back and listen to the tape, but I'll tell you what, I don't think I've said anything. Even the boat comment, I'm not taking back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go over here to Deuteronomy. We're almost done. I want to, I don't know, I want to get you mad about lack. <laughs> it's just not right. Come on. You know, Jesus suffered. If words mean anything, the Bible says he became poor. At Calvary, he became impoverished. That you and I, through his poverty, might be made rich. You know, in the mind of God, you're already rich. You want to know why that could be? Because you're his kid. We have an inheritance. Amen. And he already died to make the inheritance available. And then God pulled a cheat on the devil, thank God, and raised Jesus from the dead. God knows how to have his cake and eat it too. Amen. You know, praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, find that. You know the word lack means to come short? You know what it means. It means to come short. It means to have an unmet need. It means to fall short. It means to be deficient in. It means to suffer from the absence of something needed. Amen. It means the state or the condition of being in want. And one thing Dr. Savell said, he said, I believe the greatest uh, enemy Satan uses to hold the body of Christ back is debt and lack. Think of what the body of Christ could do if we could run off debt and lack. Think of the air times we could buy. Think of the businesses of ill repute we could buy and shut them down. Amen. Think about the, the power and the might we could yield, the satellites we could put up, the gospel we could spread, the books we can print, the people we could clothe, the people we could help. Hallelujah. What's, what's holding us back? Satan has got the church poor. And, and really, his, he's laughing all the way to the bank because he's got half the body of Christ believing it's God's will that we'd be poor. Yeah. Well, praise God. Look at uh, verse 2. We're almost done here. Y'all all right? You going to make it? Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 8, 2. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led you these 40 years. That's a long time. 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to... Yeah, he led them to the desert to humble them, keep them poor. No, they weren't poor out there. To humble you and to prove you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. Oh, there it is. No, hold on. And fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that one man does not, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord uh, doth man live. Now, if you understood this, uh, you understand that uh, they didn't go hungry out there. But what he's talking about is he did this on purpose. He provided them just enough. All the way down to their meals. If they tried to hoard up some extra manna, you know what happened. It rotten and stank with worms, right? He is training them 
when it doesn't look like you have a supply, trust me, I'm, a, I'm your supply. He did that to test them. And God will lead you through wilderness seasons. You'll have everything you need. You just won't have a lot piled up extra. But you'll have everything you need. In my walk with God, I could say that. There's been years I've had everything I've needed. Amen. Never missed a meal. Never had an unpaid bill. But that didn't mean I had a nickel left at the end. And I just kept tithing, kept giving, kept preaching prosperity, kept believing God, kept loving God, kept being as faithful as I knew how to be. Amen. And, and those, you know, God's brought us up. Look at verse 4. It says your, your raiment, that means your clothes, waxed not old upon you. So yeah, they didn't have a, a wardrobe full of garments. But whatever they had did not wear out. For 40 years they wore that same old outfit. But they weren't naked. I said they weren't naked. And the clothes they had, the moth didn't get it, the weather didn't get it, the sand didn't get it, and everything else. Are you with me? Glory to God. And, uh, and so it says, it says your feet didn't even swell walking around. You also, verse 5, shall consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son, disciplines, trains his sons, what that means, so the Lord thy God chastens you, disciplines and trains you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. There's that word again. For the Lord thy God is bringing you what? Into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and of depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of weed and barley and vines and, and uh, fig newtons and pomegranates and extra virgin olive oil and honey. A land where you shall eat bread without scarceness or scarcity or shortage or lack. You shall not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. And when you are eaten and are full, amen, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God in not keeping His commandments, His judgments, His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you are eaten and are full and you have built what kind of houses? Does it say adequate houses? No, goodly houses. And dwell therein. And when your herds, plural, and your flocks, plural, multiply, and your, sil bless you, and your silver and your gold is multiplied. Now listen, I want everyone who will. You need to get you at least two pieces of silver and two chunks of gold. Why? Because... What is multiply times zero? zero? Zero. So you want to qualify for this verse? He wants to multiply your silver. Do you have any? I strongly suggest you get at least. And I thought, well, one, one. Well, what do you multiply by one? It's the, it's the one. No, you got to get like two. Because then you get in the blessing of the double. I know y'all are going to laugh that off. But what is something times zero? Zero. 
So get you some silver. Get you some gold. I mean, even if you got a tenth of an ounce and God starts multiplying your gold and your silver, that's what he said he would do. Amen. Then your heart, he said he's warning them, don't let your heart get lifted up with pride. And don't forget the Lord, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the world, out of the world system. Amen. And from the house of bondage. He goes on talking about the different things he uh, bred, you know, brought them out of. Verse 16, that I, don't forget that I fed you in the wilderness with manna, that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might prove you uh, to do you good in your latter end. Will God take you through a season of testing? Will he prove you? Will he let things get a little tight to see if you're a quitter, tither, tithing quitter, building, building offering giver quitter? Because it got tight, and the first thing that goes is God's stuff. Oh, but your subscription to Amazon, that stays. Disney Plus, that stays. Oh, Jesus. My, 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 my monthly massage, that stays. But we'll just cut the building out. We'll cut the Indian the orphans out and all that, all that God stuff. We'll, you know, Because we just don't, we're too tight right now. Well, see, you're never going to get into the good land because you failed to test. Amen? Some people, they get a little money and they just go off into sin. They just get a little money and they go off into sin. See, you don't know how to handle money. You let money turn you weird. You've got to learn to let money just be a tool. Money's a tool. It's not worthy of being worshipped. It's just a tool. I need it. God knows I need it. God knows you need it. We just use it. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, you could see there that lack is not the will of God. He, he made a covenant with them. Amen. And we're living in a better covenant, a new covenant built on better promises. And he said, sure, yeah, I brought you out and I let you have just, just enough for a short season so I could test you and prove you, kind of find out what kind of metal, how loyal you'd be to me. But this is where I've longed to take you. This is your destiny right here. A land of abundance. A land of overflow. And God, one of God's ministers said something I agree with by the Holy Ghost. That abundant overflow is the order of the day. And don't be moved by what you hear on the news, but live close to God. Amen. Keep putting God first and begin to declare, begin to expect, and begin to decree. Amen. That vi triumphant victories. Amen. Great blessings, God working miracles in your life financially and materially Amen. for you and so that you can be a greater blessing in these last days. There is a great work to do for God. Time is short and it's going to cost a lot of money. Amen. God wants to use you. Amen. Praise God. I mean, glory to God. What was I going to say? Anyway. You know, Nabisco, they started somewhere, didn't they? Making cookies and crackers. Now they're a what? Multi, 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 multi company. Don't despise small beginnings. Amen? Let's stand up tonight. Well, I succeeded at something. I either helped you or I made you mad. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm mad. 
Listen, God, we're coming into our houses. We're coming into our lands. We're coming into our stuff because God is shining the light. It's the devil that's been stealing and holding back on us. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We read it tonight. He said the gold is mine and the glory is mine. Amen. The good things in the earth are not here for the devil and his crowd. Amen. Praise God. So you just begin to have some renewed vision and some renewed fervor. And just say, bless God, I'm, I'm tired. Of, I'm not going to live in this debt. I'm not going to live in lack anymore. Praise God. I'm going to lay hold of what God is wanting to bring into my life. I'm going to get in His Word. I'm going to make changes. I'm going to get right with His plan. I'm going to stay with it instead of being up and down. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm not going to be denied. I'm going to glorify my Father. I'm going to come in and receive all the good things He's got for me. Amen. Amen. We're going to help a lot of people. We're going to lift a lot of people. I, had a, I was shopping today for the party, the party on Friday, for my son and I. And we were just looking at shirts and stuff. And this, this gal comes up, comes up to me, no lie. She comes up to me and goes, listen, I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you and your wife. You paid my electric bill about this time last year. And I said, I did? <laughs> she goes, yeah, we didn't get to meet, but... Uh, one of my other co-workers knows you real good. And, and it was our church that helped it. And I said, well, I'm so thrilled that you're, you told me that. Amen. And I said, how's it going? You're doing better? Said, oh, I'm doing much better. I said, praise God. That's great. But see, we were able to do it because we had it. What a thrill. What a thrill. The Hobby Lobby guy. You know, he goes around paying churches off. Church mortgage. Well, come on, think about what a thrill that's got to be. I think Keith Moore, and God told him through all this, some of this COVID stuff. And you know how much money he, he raised? It was in the millions. And he said, this is none, not a dollar, not a dime of this money will go into our ministry. But we're going to disperse it to pastors and churches that got behind. We're not going to let these churches close. And we're going to rescue them financially. Got it. I want to be, I'd almost like to go to work for him for a month just to get to talk to those pastors, amen, and watch that transaction happen, and then go to those congregations and watch them freak out because God cared about them and rescued their church. I mean, come on, what a thrill. What a thrill. But you got to get beyond your own little world, your own little needs. Not that they're not important, they are, they're huge. But just catch a vision. Catch a vision. Amen. So, Father, tonight, I thank you for the patience and the, uh, the forbearing of the people tonight. To stay